This is episode 13, and we're going to talk about a phrase I hear in the HD community a lot, and it can get pretty charged, and it's this idea that if your loved one with HD says or does something hurtful, it's not them, it's the HD. Let's talk about it. Welcome to HD Reality with Courtney Cable. As a member of a Huntington's disease family and a certified life coach, I'm here to help you navigate the unique challenges of Huntington's disease. This podcast is dedicated to everyone affected by HD, including individuals with HD, their loved ones, and their care partners. Together, we'll explore practical mental and emotional tools to help you overcome the obstacles that arise with this diagnosis. Join me as we define our own HD reality. Keep listening and let the transformation begin. So why is this phrase upsetting? It's not them, it's the HD. And it's not going to be upsetting for all of you. But for some of us, for me particularly, it kind of rubs me the wrong way when I hear people say this. To me, it feels very invalidating and kind of begs the question, okay, then what do I do next? If it's not them, it's the HD. Like, what do you expect me to do or feel? But it hits on an aspect of HD that can feel really important and tender for us which is this idea that our loved one is changing and trying to decide how much control they have over what they do and say can be really difficult. I thought of three reasons why it's particularly difficult to try to make this distinction and why making this distinction feels important to us. And the first is that the change happens gradually. It would be so much easier to say it's not them, it's the HD, if it was completely black and white. If one day they were completely themselves and then the next day they were doing and saying all of the uncharacteristic things and we can say for sure, this is not them, this is the HD. But it's not black and white in that way. There's a ton of gray area. Most of us probably feel like the vast majority of our experience of our loved one is somewhere in that gray area. A second reason is that it really seems like they mean some of the cruel things that they say and do. Because so much of them is the same. They look the same. They go by the same name. They maybe still live in your house. It, I mean, to your lower brain, everything is telling you that this is the same person. We have to use our higher logical brain to override that and say, well, you know what? They actually have some cognitive decline and there are going to be some personality and behavior changes that are going to come with this disease. But our lower automatic brain is still telling us that this is the same person we knew and loved. And this makes it really difficult to disconnect the meaning of these words and actions from maybe what they would have meant to us if they had been said or done before a diagnosis of HD versus after. And a third reason is that When we, as humans, are in pain, it's very natural for us to want to react to that pain. So we talked about the four ways that we can respond to our emotions, and that was resisting, reacting, avoiding, and allowing. And reacting is a very typical response for pain. If you touch your hand on a hot burner, you react by pulling your hand away. You don't just sit there and allow the pain and process the pain. No, you react. You pull your hand away from the hot burner. So when we feel like we've been attacked, we naturally want to defend ourselves. When we feel like we've been wronged, we naturally want to have something or someone to blame. We want justice in some way. But if it's not them, it's the HD, how do we hold a disease accountable? I can't go pick a fight with a disease. It's amorphous. It's an idea. 
So how do I fight back and defend myself against something that I can't see? So let's talk about what to do next. If this situation comes up where your HD loved one has said or done something and you're feeling some hurt or some pain because you've been offered the thought either by someone else in your life or online or you've offered yourself the thought that it's not them, it's the HD. And I want to look at two important questions here. Is it true, first off, and is it helpful? So it's not them, it's the HD. Is this true? It's not really something science can prove, is it? And what if we can never say for sure either way? It's not black and white like I was saying earlier. There's so much of that gray area. So what if we can't say 100% if it's one way or the other? And the quick answer is that we can actually decide. You can just choose. You can believe whatever you want to believe. And if it's helpful for you to believe that it's not them, it's the HD, then go for it. And if it's more helpful for you to believe that it's not the HD, it's still them, then go for it. Whichever thought leads you towards showing up like the person you want to be, that's the one you should go for. Maybe you'd rather believe that it is them and deal with it in your own way because you aren't ready to think that they're gone yet. Saying that it's not them, it's the HD might feel hurtful and might prompt some feelings of mourning or grief or loss. So maybe right now it's more helpful to think that it is them. Maybe it brings you more peace believing that it is the HD and not your loved one saying and doing these things because that helps you to separate the meaning from these things and not internalize the insults and words and behaviors as much. And maybe sometimes it's one and sometimes it's the other. Maybe you take it play by play. There's no right way to do it, but you do, at the end of the day, get to decide. Jody Moore loves talking about the idea that there's no thought police. And I love this because we are free to think whatever we want. There's nobody in our brains policing or monitoring or censoring what we can and can't think. You're not only allowed to think certain types of thoughts. You can think whatever you want. But when we're looking at whether or not this thought is true, it's not them, it's the HD, I also want to look at what else is true. If you're making that phrase true, what else are you making true? What do you make that mean when you hear it? What other beliefs are you attaching to this idea that become true when you believe it's not them, it's the HD? Because sometimes the thoughts that come along with that being true are things like, because it's not them, it's the HD, I should never feel hurt or angry or sad about anything they say and do. And I would question that. I would question that a lot because anytime we're limiting or telling ourselves that we should or shouldn't be feeling a certain way, we're invalidating ourselves. And when we're invalidating ourselves, it rarely even matters what other people say, whether they're validating us or not, because we're not even validating ourselves. And without that validation and acceptance of where we are, it's very difficult to progress into a feeling that you might prefer having. So saying I should never feel hurt or angry or sad or disappointed about anything that my HD loved one says or does is not likely to keep you from feeling those things or to move on from feeling those things to other things that you think you should be feeling. So the second question, is this thought helpful? And I like to think of what scenarios this is usually coming up in. And if we talk about the model, the CTFAR model that we talked about, where there's a neutral circumstance and then your brain offers you a thought about 
that circumstance, and a thought is just a sentence in your brain, that sentence in your brain causes your brain to release a certain chemical that creates a feeling in your body. And that feeling is what drives your actions, which make up your results, your overall results in your life. So a scenario where this idea of it's not them, it's the HD might come up is something like maybe your husband tells you that you're useless. So whatever they said or did, and we take out all of the drama pieces in there, go in the circumstance line. So it would be circumstance is husband says, quote, you're useless. And if you believe that it's not them, it's the HD, then maybe your initial thought there is it's not them, it's the HD. And that can be a helpful thought. That can be a productive model for you. But more often than not, the scenario is already done and passed by the time it's not them, it's the HD comes up. More often, the model looks something like this. Circumstance is husband says, quote, you're useless. And you have a thought like, I can't take this anymore, which causes a feeling of frustration. Or maybe your thought is, he's so mean. And your feeling is anger. Or maybe your thought is, he doesn't love me, and your feeling is despair. So once you've already had one of those thoughts and produced one of those feelings, if the idea of it's not them, it's the HD comes in kind of after the fact, it actually tends to make things worse rather than better. And it's kind of a thought about a thought. And we see this happen with ourselves all the time. We'll get upset about something and then we'll be upset that we're upset and then we'll be upset that we're upset that we're upset and we just keep layering it. And it gets super messy and congested. And we do the same thing with anger, stress, sadness, grief, all kinds of things. And when we're looking at a situation like this, we can take that original model, circumstance, husband says you're useless, thought is he's so mean, feeling is angry. And then we have a second model that starts running after that, where we can play around with putting your original thought into the circumstance line. I thought he's so mean that becomes your circumstance. And your thought about that thought is, I shouldn't think that because it's not him, it's the HD. Now, those feelings that you might feel are probably not helpful, productive, comfortable, fun, enjoyable, anything. So if it's not helpful, why do people say this to us? And I think it's because, like I said, there is a subset of scenarios where it can be helpful. If we go back to that model where circumstances husband says quote you're useless and your thought is something like it's the hd saying this or the person i love who is still there inside would never say something like that you might be feeling instead of the shame that came up in the model before you might be feeling some grief about the illness some mourning maybe even some peace And that's the model that people are usually trying to encourage you into when they offer that to you. But like we talked about, more than likely the scenario is already over and done with. So they're only offering that thought on top of the thoughts you've already had, which then pile up and create that shame. But they mean it with the best of intentions because they see your anger or your pain or your sadness and they want naturally to make it go away. When we see somebody in pain, we're like, oh, make it go away. Stop being in pain. But what if it was okay that you're in pain? Because once the pain is there, it's there. Telling the pain that it shouldn't be there isn't going to make it all of a sudden leave. It's not going to be like, oh, I'm sorry, I thought I was supposed to be here, but I guess I'll just go now. No. And that's why the first thing we want to do, I'm going to give you four steps. And the first one is to process your pain. 
because once a thought has created a feeling, it no longer really matters why that feeling is there. It's just there. You can't recall it. You can't retract it. The sentence in your mind has released a chemical in your brain to the rest of your body. You can't unsend that chemical to the body. So the sensation in your body of that emotion is already happening. And at that point, the best thing you can do for yourself and the only productive thing you can do for yourself is not to talk yourself out of it, but to help yourself through it. So whatever it is, if it's pain, frustration, disappointment, confusion, despair, embarrassment, get out of your mind and into your body so you stop layering new thoughts and feelings on top of this original pain or frustration or whatever it is. And allow your body the time to let that chemical work its way through. Then we can get to the other steps. So the second one is to have your own back. And this is most applicable to situations where the hurtful situation is a verbal situation or something they're saying. And this is really fascinating to me because the more I've looked into why we get offended, it really comes down to a belief that some part of us actually believes that that insult might be just a little bit true. And my favorite way to explain this is to picture myself walking down the street and I have brown hair. And so if I'm walking down the street and someone comes up to me and says, oh my goodness, your hair is the most disgusting shade of green I have ever seen in my life. How would I feel? Would I be offended? Not really, no. More than, more than offended, I would just be wildly confused and I might even think it's a little bit funny. Like, oh my goodness, uh, I wonder what's going on for them that they think my hair is green. That's very odd because I know for a fact my hair is not green. But in that same scenario, if a stranger came up to me and said, your hair is the most disgusting shade of brown I've ever seen, I would probably feel a little bit offended because my hair is brown. So there's that, there's all of a sudden this chance that they might be right. So if your HD loved one is insulting you, you can honestly ask yourself, well, are they right? Because sometimes we're 98% sure they're wrong, but there's that little 2% of you that thinks they might be right. And it's important to check in with that 2% and to make peace with that. It's okay that we're not 100% sure about all of our positive characteristics because we're not perfect. So if somebody tells me, you're so unkind, you're so unproductive, you're a terrible cook, I might feel a little bit offended, but at the same time, they might be a little bit right. I'm not the best cook in the world, so there must be parts of me that are a less than great cook. I am not perfectly compassionate or productive, so they might be a little bit right about that. So if they are right when they are saying these things, then the question for you becomes, can you love yourself anyways? And if they're 100% wrong about you, like the person who came up to me and telling me that my green hair was ugly, can you let it be okay for them to be wrong about you? And then maybe you're somewhere in between, and can you make peace with both sides? But either way, you're going to have your own back. You're going to come back to that confidence in yourself to say either, yeah, I am a bad cook. That's okay. Or, actually, I'm a great cook and you're confused. And whether you say that to yourself in your head or you say it out loud, totally up to you. But as long as you have your own back and you're defending yourself in a productive way, 
rather than just saying no, 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 but that 2% is hanging out in the back saying, what if they're right? Because that's what's causing the pain. So what about when a situation gets physical more than just verbal? Maybe your loved one is behaving in a way that's physically unsafe for you. This is when number three comes in, and that is setting boundaries. So even if it's true that it's not them, it's the HD, does not mean that you don't allow yourself to set boundaries. Like, oh yeah, he hits me, but it's not him, it's the HD, so I'm just going to allow myself to be hit. That's not necessary. We set boundaries when there's a pattern of unsafe situations. And when there's a pattern of unsafe situations, we have the option to either change internally or externally to keep ourselves safe. We can change internally by doing the things we talked about in step number two, having your own back and changing the way you're thinking about what's going on. But you can also change what's going on externally in your action line and take physical actions to keep yourself safe. So for physical situations where it might be getting violent or physically unsafe in any way, it doesn't make a lot of sense to only try to change internally. You really have to take some physical actions, which often means removing yourself from the situation in some way. That can mean taking a step back. That can mean going into the other room. That can mean leaving the house. That can even mean leaving the relationship. But all of those decisions are entirely up to you. Some people don't see the value in setting boundaries in a situation like Huntington's disease because they don't think setting the boundary is going to change the behavior, so what's the point? But they're missing the point. We don't make boundaries in order to change people. We make boundaries to keep ourselves safe. So if there's this pattern of unsafe behavior and the boundary you have in place is, okay, when you hit me, I am going to leave. We don't do that in the hopes that well, after I leave, after he hits me two or three times, maybe he'll stop hitting me. If that happens, great, but that's not why we're doing it. We're doing it to keep you safe and to keep you from getting hit. And I understand that there are a lot of situations where this doesn't seem feasible to leave your HD loved one when they're being physically violent. It doesn't seem like it's possible. But if that's the case, I want to go back to what I was talking about in a previous episode. Why doesn't this feel feasible for you? What is holding you back from figuring out how to make this work? Because most likely at the root of the problem is you not truly believing that you're worth figuring this out for. You are worth protecting. And understanding your worth more deeply is the most important work you can do. It's going to change everything about the way you live and the way you treat yourself and allow yourself to be treated. So decide today that you are worth figuring out a practical protocol to protect yourself. And the fourth thing is to take care of yourself. Because when we have this HD loved one, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a partner, maybe it's a sibling or any other loved one, we've likely spent some portion of our lives looking to this person for them to help meet our needs. And when they get sick and they stop meeting our needs in that way, it can be really jarring and it leaves you feeling confused and lonely and like there's something missing because these needs that they used to be fulfilling for you are no longer being filled. And that's when you need to step in and meet those needs for yourself. So if you need words of affirmation and you're father used to give you those words of affirmation, but he has HD and he's sick now and he's not able to do that for you anymore. Did you know you could do that for yourself? You can say, hey, good job self getting ready this morning. 
hey, good job me for drinking water, or I'm proud of you. You can tell yourself that you're proud of yourself. Or maybe you're used to going to this person for comfort and understanding and validation when you were feeling sad or in pain. You can do that for yourself. You can say, oh my goodness, I am so sorry you're in pain right now. It totally makes sense that you're in pain and I am going to be right here with you every step of the way. Did you know you can say that to yourself? Not only can you say that to yourself, but it actually works. Like if you believe it, when you say that to yourself, it actually works. I cannot tell you the number of times where I've been struggling in some way and I've had the thought come to my head like, oh, you should do that thing that the coaches talk about where you validate yourself. And my brain is like, um, okay, yeah, that's probably not going to work, but sure, I'll try it. And then I actually try it and it works. I promise you it works. Meeting our own needs is something that all of us should be doing, but it becomes especially important when someone we've been relying on outside of ourselves to fill those needs stops filling those needs. Now, all of a sudden, we're not in a good spot and it becomes especially important for us to learn how to do that for ourselves. So no matter whether you think it's them or the HD, I want you to get out there, process your feelings, have your own back, set important boundaries, and take care of yourself. I love you guys, and I will talk to you next week. Bye. Did you know that I'm offering mini coaching sessions completely free? Go to helpforthecaregiver.com to schedule one now. If you found value in this podcast, share it with your communities, spreading the power of these tools to more people. Find me on Instagram or Facebook at Courtney Cable Coaching for ongoing interaction, valuable content, and additional resources. For personalized support, visit my website to view my affordable coaching programs or to schedule a free mini coaching session or consultation call. Thank you for joining HD Reality, and I can't wait for our next conversation.